right. We are rolling sound. Town Alone Pro Wrestling Podcast Relaunch. Take one, scene one. Mark. Brother, 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 brother. Hello and welcome everybody to the Talent Alone Pro Wrestling Podcast, aka TAPWP, aka the greatest professional wrestling podcast on God's green earth. I am your host, Mike Regan. I am so happy to have you guys here today listening uh, for another great show. So we've been away for a while. Let's go ahead and address that elephant in the room. It's been a minute. We had some episodes in the can. There were some production issues. We decided to take a second, step back, take a breath, and reevaluate the situation. Take a look at the podcast, how we wanted to do it, where we wanted to go, the kind of things we wanted to cover. And now we are here for the official relaunch of the Town Alone Pro Wrestling Podcast, TAPWP 2.0, if you will, much like Seth Rollins when he came back from the blown out knee those years ago, you know. His, uh, his slogan was rebuild, redesign, reclaim. That's what we're here to do. I don't know what we're reclaiming. But we're going to take it, by God. And, you know, we got to make it big for the relaunch. So I reached out. I wanted to get a massive guest for the show. I made some phone calls, and I got us. None other than the man you know and love, known as The Undertaker. So, I apologize. My producer just handed me a note. It turns out that The Undertaker's Hall of Fame speech from two years ago is still going. He still has not gotten through those those five, uh, you know, five virtues to live by for his career. But I'm sure once he's done, we'll get him on the show to talk about all the guns he owns or, or something. So, moving on, let's get into it. There's a lot to cover. We... Have been away for a minute, like I mentioned. A lot has happened. Uh, talked with Adam for a long time about SummerSlam. We covered a lot of things, had a lot of thoughts. Unfortunately, that was one of the segments that you guys will not get to hear. It is locked away in the Town Alone vault forever, but that's okay. If you didn't, go to the website and read our amazing SummerSlam prediction article that we did, like we do for every major pay-per-view in PLE, to keep up to date on who is winning our year-long running contest uh, to whoever going to have the best predictions. But the biggest story, obviously, going on, coming out of SummerSlam to deal with the WWE, is the Bloodline scenario. So at SummerSlam, main event, tribal combat, Jey Uso versus Roman Reigns for the Undisputed Universal Championship. And... When I talked about the match, I mentioned that it was the first Roman match that went long and felt long. Most of his matches get a lot of time, but they don't feel as long as they are. This one really felt long. But the big story, not to talk about the match that much, the big story was the finish, which saw Jimmy Uso turn on his brother. Super kick him, cost him the match. Uh, He did that obnoxious thing. That's one of my wrestling pet peeves where... He came out and interfered, and he had he was wearing a black hoodie. He had the hood up, and he had a bandana covering, you know, from his nose down. And 
immediately after he turns on Jay and super kicks him, he removes the hood and pulls down the bandana. Why wear it if you're literally going to reveal yourself two seconds after you interfere? What, did you originally go out there thinking, I don't want people to know it's me? And then you just get so amped up in the moment, you're just like, fuck it, it was me all along. I hate that. But moving on past that, the big, you know, thing people were wondering was the explanation. Because this turn, eh, I'd say a lot of what I heard in the wrestling bubbles that I am in um, was not greatly received. People, it was kind of, in, in my opinion as well, it felt like the first thing the bloodline did that kind of felt planned, you know, kind of like they went into that match and were like, all right, how do we get out of this one? And decided Jimmy turns, you know, if they would have called me, I would have just told him to have Rikishi come out and stink face his own son until he was unconscious. You know, um, I think that would have been a very creepy and weird ending to that match, but they went with the Jimmy turn. So everybody wanted to know the explanation. So they did the, uh, some kind of tribal ceremony thingy, something with the term tribal in it, like they do every week on SmackDown. And Roman is kind of expecting, you know, he's playing it up like, oh, I guess Jimmy's coming back home to the bloodline. And he tells Jimmy he can give him whatever you want. You want cars, you want power, you want to be main event Jimmy, I can do it all. Whatever you want. And Jimmy says he wants nothing. He didn't do it for him, and he is still out of the bloodline. Uh, Tells Roman to kick rocks. Uh, Jay comes out, gets a great pop, so I'm glad to hear that, or, you know, hear and see that the crowd is still really behind Jay. And he wants an explanation. <clears throat> and so Jimmy goes on. Just my mic for a second. Jimmy goes on to give his explanation, which is, if I had to give my opinion on it, which is the reason why I record a podcast, to give my opinions on wrestling, um, it was stupid. Yeah, that's a good word. Stupid. <laughs> it was ridiculous. His explanation was, I didn't want you to win. Because if you did, you would have become just like him, referring to Roman. He would become a power-hungry megalo- megalomaniac? Is that the word I want? Yeah, sure. Uh, maniacal, egomaniac, uh, like Roman if he became the next tribal chief. So, Jimmy's explanation to boil it down is, I didn't want you to have the biggest career achievement of your life because I think you would have been a dick afterwards. That is ridiculous. That's even the heel logic in that is stretching thin in my opinion. Like what? And I I would have been happier if they just came out and did the stereotypical, you know, kind of just simple jealousy angle. You know, he came out and he was like, you know, it's BS you know, I'm just as good as you. I'm better than you, actually. And it's all about main event Jay. What about main event Jimmy? God damn it. And that would have been, you know, not the most creative thing, but it would have been fine. It would have been better than this explanation. The angle still took more twists and turns. So Jay eventually, you know, starts super kicking, super kicks Roman, super kicks Solo. Um, didn't super kick Paul Heyman, unfortunately. That would have been, that would have been good. Uh, leaves the ring and meets his brother, you know, at the ramp. And there's a moment. And then super kicks his brother. 
a lot of oos on oos violence in the segment. Uh, afterwards, he looks into the camera and says, he's done. He's out of the bloodline. He's out of the WWE deuces ooses. And WWE has further to sell the angle where put his profile on WWE.com into the alumni section. Which I always love how that's, that's breaking news. Uh, it's, uh, but obviously, you know, to sell the angle here that he's out. How long will he be gone? How will he come back? Who knows? Where does the bloodline go from here? You know, this is the first time that I've felt like, as I mentioned with the finish to the SummerSlam main event, I don't know if they know where they're going. I don't see the the path forward for this. And a lot of the bloodline story, even when you've seen where they're going, that's been okay because it's been so entertaining. And you've actually, you know, respected the well-thought-out story they're telling uh, and how they're getting to these big points in the story. But now it feels a little bit like they're kind of booking as they go. And I don't know where it goes next. Are we going to get Roman versus Jimmy? You know, I don't think so. I mean, Roman doesn't do every pay-per-view, obviously. I don't expect him to wrestle at Payback um, in September. I... Not, I can't remember what's on my head the name of the pay-per-view that will be in October. November Survivor Series. I expect that's the next time we'll see Roman wrestle. We could see Team Roman versus Team J if he finally makes his return. Um, that could be where they're headed next. But, you know, for the first time, like I said, I'm just not not really sure. And And starting to, instead of being intrigued and wondering, I can't wait to see what comes next. I, I can't wait to see how they're going to go forward and tell the story to its next big story beat. Now I'm, I'm apprehensive and intrigued. Now, Paul Heyman, Paul Heyman says otherwise. Uh, during the SummerSlam post-show press conference, Paul Heyman said, you know, we still got a lot in the can here for what we're doing we're gonna be around for a long time everything's going according to plan so kurt angle on his uh podcast when talking about this said and i quote the storyline is great i love it but i think Heyman was full of shit i practiced a kurt angle impression that i was going to do for this tweet but i just i couldn't couldn't get one it just turned into a stereotypical philly accent which didn't even make sense because he's from pittsburgh uh, storyline is great. I love it. But I think Heyman was full of shit. I think they are in the eighth inning and they're stressed. They're making shit up now. That's what I believe. Paul Heyman, I know him and I know that he's probably going crazy right now. Like, what do we do next? Paul Heyman responds on the Twitter and says, no matter what inning we're in, at least we're not looking for exposure through the next old timers day. Ahem. And just for the record, I typed this tweet with a broken frickin' fingernail. Which obviously is a joke on Angle talking about how he won a gold medal with a broken frickin' neck. Uh, so I thought that was a funny little Twitter exchange. I'm sure there's no real animosity between um, Heyman and Kurt Angle. Heyman's saying, nope, we are, we got a plan. Everything is, is going the way it should. But, from the outside, people are wondering, do you have a plan? 
And I'm not I'm not on Angle's side with the eighth inning part of that comment. I don't think they're in the eighth inning of this. I mean, if anything, I think, you know, maybe the seventh inning. <laughs> that was a very Bill Simmons-esque, like, uh, delineation. Hey, I wouldn't call him top 15, but top 17. Um, and, but I, I mean, if anything, I think the earliest this Bloodline story ends will be WrestleMania with Cody defeating Roman. You know, I, I over the summer, you know, when they started getting to the, you know, breakup of the Bloodline, and the issues with the Usos and all that inner turmoil, I had said that <clears throat> I expected they're going to tell this story of one by one, Roman loses all of the people around him. Eventually, Solo will leave him, and he will finally be alone and vulnerable um, going into Mania, where Cody will finally beat him. And I'm still kind of staying with that opinion. Uh, so I don't think they're in the eighth inning, but they might be getting towards the climax of this thing over the remaining, you know, September, October, November, December, January, February. These are months of the year. Um, March, April. So, you know, they got like seven or eight months left. Uh, so I still think there's a lot left to go. If they know where they're going or how they're going to get there, I'm not so sure. Next up, we have a brand new segment. <clears throat> It's an earth-shattering segment. No one's ever thought of this before. Okay, and this earth-shattering segment is called Stock Up, Stock Down. Look at some wrestlers who I'm buying, I'm bullish on, and looking at some wrestlers who uh, are moving down, I'm selling their stock, I'm bearish on them. Kind of like my version of Mad Money, if everybody remembers that. If it's still, I think it's still going on. It's that, that show that's on CNBC with the bald dude who gets all like, amped up and crazy and he's like i'm buying it everybody buy as much enron as possible uh jim kramer was his name i actually i share a birthday with jim kramer we were both born on february 10th so obviously that proves that you should take all your stock advice from me because everybody born on february 10th knows about these kind of things So let's kick it off. We'll go back and forth here. First up, stock up. Shinsuke Nakamura. As we saw last week on Raw, I'm recording this on Monday the 14th, so we'll see what happens tonight. But last week on Raw, they had the six-man tag team main event, Judgment Day versus Rollins, Rhodes, and Nakamura. It was originally supposed to be Rollins, Rhodes, and uh, Sami Zayn, but they did an angle where J.D. McDonough beat up Sami Zayn. People noticed that Sami had like a golf ball size lump on his elbow, and it's being reported it's a bursa sac infection, um, which I don't know exactly what that is, but it sounds gross. Uh, so he was obviously taken out of that with a little injury angle. And so Nakamura was like, I got you guys. I'll fill in. Uh, pulling double duty as he beat uh Bronson Reed earlier in the night which makes sense now that they wanted to give him some wins build up his credibility for what was coming when he turned heel after the match they're celebrating Rollins drops down um off the turnbuckle where he was posing and playing to the crowd and turns into a kick to the face from Shinsuke Nakamura and then Nakamura casually just slides out of the ring and walks to the back which was fun I love Nakamura's little 
mannerisms. Um, like I always remember in, in NXT uh, when they were setting up <clears throat> him to challenge Samoa Joe for the NXT World Championship, and you know Joe's in the ring and he's he's fired up. He's you know that great Samoa Joe fired up crazy like at any second he's just waiting to get the chance to choke someone out, and Nakamura just reaches over and does the little got your nose thing, which you know was <laughs> it was very funny. So I like Nakamura's little mannerisms. So stock up on Nakamura, if anything, just because it looks like he's going in to face Rollins at payback. <clears throat> now, obviously, I don't expect Nakamura to get the title. He may just kind of be the challenger of the month for Rollins as they try to figure out who they can build up to be a credible threat to him. So as much as I'd love, as me being a diehard Nakamura fan, for him to actually win the title, I don't expect it. I think they'll get... They'll do the payback match. Maybe they do something that can lead to one rematch. But still, he's going to be in a main event, you know, the main event picture and, you know, in a big match on the upcoming pay-per-views. So stock up, Shinsuke Nakamura. And these are obviously in no order. Stock down, Austin Theory. So Theory, I, I pointed out um, when I was talking to Adam about SummerSlam that I thought it was interesting. They did the Slim Jim Battle Royal which would go on to be won by um, L.A. Knight. Yeah. And, you know, they came back from commercial. If, you were, if you're a Peacock, you know, ad-supported subscriber, then you saw a little commercial for, like, I don't know, Clorox or whatever. And it came back, and they already had a bunch of the wrestlers, like, you know, in the ring. Not everybody got a televised entrance. The only people who did were The Miz, AJ Styles, and L.A. Knight. Yeah. And, uh, oh, and also as the match started, MVP came out and was like, and Amos is in the match. Um, but in that ring jumbled together was Austin theory, a guy who they were pushing really, you know, pretty hard as us champ. Um, you know, they had him beat Cena at WrestleMania. Um, I mean, it wasn't the most credibility, building win um not the biggest boost the way they did like a very very cheap finish you know with all the talk leading up to the match with Cena being about how theory is you know he doesn't have it you know he can't beat someone like Cena and then they had him do it in like just a very heelish way more so than you'd expect and it kind of diminished that but either way the record books are going to show he beat Cena at Mania so revisionist history will show wow that was a big win and big moment in his career but now he's just jumbled into all the, you know, just, you know, one of the people jumbled into that ring, you know, just another also ran. It was interesting. And then on SmackDown this past Friday, he dropped his U.S. title. It was supposed to be him versus Santos Escobar, <clears throat> who won that tournament they did. But they did an injury angle. He attacked Escobar backstage. He attacked him during his entrance. LWO comes out and Escobar tells Ray to get in there. And Rey Mysterio defeats um, Austin Theory for what I believe is his first ever United States championship. Uh, which I'm sure is going to lead to Escobar turning on Rey. You can all, I'd put a lot of stock in that. Not on the list, but probably going to happen. So where's Theory going for here, from here, you know? He might be a guy they're thinking, hey, let's come up with some excuse some trade something move him over to raw maybe build him up as a challenger for rollins 
you know, if you want to be optimistic about what's next for theory, maybe that. But for now, until we see where it goes, it's it's uh it's stock down. Stock up. The Miz, Mike the Miz Mizanin, the real world star. Going into a program with uh one of the hottest stars in the company right now. You may have heard of him. It's L A Knight. Yeah. Uh they had a little promo uh with uh pardon me, a little promo there on Raw. Cole said something about Miz being upset he's no longer the only Hollywood A-lister in the company. I guess I guess LA Knight's a Hollywood A-lister because his name is LA Knight. Yeah. Almost forgot. Um Oh, and he has the new Slim Jim commercial with Macho Man Randy Savage. But they had a good little back and forth. It was fine. The crowd was super behind LA Knight. So that's probably leading to something. But that's, you know, good spot for both men. I mean, The Miz is probably in the most in probably what I'd say is going to be the most, you know, important program he's been in since Logan Paul. Um, you know, Miz cut his usual promo where he gets fired up and talks about how no one thought he would make it the way he is and he's been He's main evented WrestleMania and probably what was, in my opinion, one of the worst WrestleManias of all time. But he main evented WrestleMania. He's done this and that when everybody's bet against him and, and all that stuff. And, you know, but it's still a good spot for the Miz. So his stock's moving up. As far as LA Knight goes, I mean, his stock's just been, he's on list because his stock's just been on fire, you know, for the last few months. He's gotten so super over. Uh, you know, <clears throat> he is 40, which I. If I knew that, I forgot, and I was unaware of until someone pointed it out to me. And, you know, I mean, to be fair, wrestlers sit 40 today in wrestling is not what it once was. I mean, with the advances and what we know now as far as, like, you know, medical things and diet, you know, wrestlers are really extending their careers and getting more longevity. I mean, AJ Styles, Brock Lesnar, both in their mid-40s, still killing it. Uh, we just saw RVD on Dynamite, look, looked good. All that stuff. I mean, wrestlers today, they're not skipping cardio day. They're not skipping leg day. They're eating their six boiled chicken breasts a day to stay bulked up and lean. It's totally different. So I'm not saying that LA Knight's going to have to retire in a year. But still, with him being 40, you have to think you got to kind of strike while the, the uh, iron's hot. Now, I will say that WWE, whenever a guy kind of out of the blue, not out of the blue, but like suddenly bursts onto the scene and really gets over like this, they can be a little, I don't know if apprehensive is the word, but they want to feel it out, you know, before they kind of get behind him and push him to the moon. They want to see, is this sustainable? Does he have a real connection to where the crowd's going to stay behind him? Do we have an idea of how we can tell stories and book him in a way where the crowd will stay behind him? Do we have something here we can work with, you know, that's not going to just be a flash in the pan. We push him like crazy. We have him win the world title and then, Crowds die down and, you know, we invested something in a guy that is not where he was, you know, shortly before. So they take their time and they think about that. But I do think it's a good sign, this Miz feud for LA Knight, because, you know, as over as he is, if they eventually want to go to like a world title program with him or some big match, they need to have him start getting into some real programs with people and rack up some good wins and build up that credibility, you know? He's not just going to win the world title because the crowd loves him, which obviously is a massive part of it. But to tell a good story, you know, you want him to look credible in the story you're telling. So goes in a program with The Miz, you know, wins that one. Maybe a returning Randy Orton would be good for the next thing. 
wins that one builds up that credibility to where I think he could eventually, you know, same thing with theory. Another guy I think could benefit from getting moved over to raw and maybe being a challenger for Rollins or whoever holds the belt at that point. Next up stock down on Matt Riddle. Once, you know, prior to him having to leave for personal reasons, you know, he, um, he was running hot with Randy Orton. I wasn't into the RK bro gimmick because I think Riddle is always better as a more serious heel, leaning into his past as a MMA guy. And, you know, I, I've always think thought that's a better, you know, act for Riddle. But RK bro is super over with the crowd. They were, you know, kind of pushing him. He did lose totally clean to Roman Reigns, but it is what it is. But reports are that they're totally cooling off on on pushing him because of those personal issues. So it's unfortunate for Matt Riddle. Um, but, you know, that fortunately is kind of life. Your past actions can definitely come back to bite you. He was another one of those people just jumbled in to the massive wrestlers who did not get a televised entrance for the Slim Jim Battle Royal, which was won by L.A. Knight. Yeah. Stock up. Hikaru Shida. Shida won, uh, won back her world women's world heavyweight, not heavyweight, but AW Women's Championship on Dynamite. Not this most previous week, but or not this most recent episode, but the previous week's episode. Um, and we'll talk more about her in a little bit when I kind of look at All In. But you know, I got to say, Shida really, of all the women in AW, I think she because of her long title run and the great matches she put on, she kind of has the most credibility, I think, in that division. And with things going sideways with the hater injury, they put the belt on Tony Storm. Me, personally, just did not, you know, think the continue. I continue to not think the outcast gimmick is really clicking right now. And nothing against the three women in it. They're all super talented. But for some reason, I just don't think that group is clicking. Um, so they give it to Sheeta. And I think that's a great person to put it on in the meantime, uh, you know, to kind of figure out where they want to go because she's just so dependable. It's kind of like the Moxley situation. Whenever something went sideways and someone gets hurt and they don't know what to do with the world title, call John Moxley. He's consistent. He'll deliver, you know. And I think she does kind of that for the women's division. You know, the crowd buys into her. The crowd likes her because I think – you know, through that long title run and all the good matches she put on it, they really built up a respect for her. <clears throat> so I think it's, you know, definitely a good person to have that belt on right now. Stock up for Sheeta. Stock down most of the Jericho Appreciation Society. They did the angle on um, this past Wednesday where they had this little JAS meeting. <clears throat> the rest of JAS came out by themselves, and then Jericho came out separately, and he was like, oh, real funny guys, come into the ring without me. Uh, one by one, they all kind of made their case to Jericho, you know, with the question looming of him joining the Don Callis family and made their case about why, you know, thanks for everything, but I'm out. Hager, Cool Hand, Angelo Parker, Daddy Magic, Matt Menard, who wants a taste? Um, And then the one who left the door open was Sammy Guevara, who's like, I'll always be there for you. I'm not going to say I'm leaving you, but... You got to figure this out. So I'm putting most of the members of JAS on stock down here because I don't know what 
a lot of them are without Jericho Appreciation Society, how they fit in to that roster. Uh, you know, Jake Hager already doesn't wrestle very often. Uh, and he, I don't know what he is without Jericho. He's the one where if they kind of transition to some sort of Don Callis family, family? <laughs> Don Callis family against, uh, you know, former members of JAS, you know, Guevara is the one who didn't totally cut ties with Jericho, but I could see that just being kind of like a swerve to Hager eventually getting back with Jericho and, and joining him in the Don Callis family. But like Angelo Parker, Daddy Magic, I think they're super entertaining guys. You know, I'm not saying I could see them winning the world tag title or having an epic match with FTR or the Bucks, but I think they're really entertaining um, and have a place on a card. Uh, you know, Daniel Garcia, very talented, but you know, what's he outside of the JAS Guevara will be fine. They consider him, you know, he's one of the pillars. They'll always find something for him. He'll be fine. But like daddy magic, Angelo Parker, Daniel Garcia. I worry like with as crowded as that roster is, they could kind of fade in to the background. So hate to say it, but uh, stock down. Stock up. Ricky Starks. So, you know, he they open collision with uh, Shivani in the ring, brings out Starks for kind of like an interview. <clears throat> Starks mentioned he's been suspended for, uh, I think, like a month or something like that. But he got his manager's license, so he'll still be around. Um, and he cut, you know, and talking about the attack on Ricky Steamboat, he had the belt still, Ricky Steamboat's belt, not like a title belt, like his legit belt um, that he had whipped him with. And, you know, he cuts this promo that, for all intents and purposes, based on the content, was a heel promo. But, man, Ricky gets fired up. He delivers a great, passionate promo. So, even when he was saying things, you know, and hitting, like, those big kind of punchline, you know, punctuated moments, he was just so fired up and passionate and confident that a lot of the crowd was cheering him, you know? I've been on record saying that I don't like the decision to go heel with Ricky Starks. And what I'm hoping here is the crowd is going to not let that happen. If they stay behind him, you know, we could have a little bit of a Becky Lynch stone cold situation where it's like, they want to go heel with them, but the crowd loves them. So, you know, we're gonna have to go face with them. So for that reason, I'm saying stock up, uh, on absolute Ricky Starks stock down the honky tonk man. Specifically, his Intercontinental Championship record. It is in severe jeopardy. Gunther currently stands at 430 days. So <clears throat> this past week, he passed Pedro Morales, who uh, they recognize his title reign as 424 days, for second place all time. Next in his sights is the honky-tonk man's record of 454 days. He has to hold the belt for another, another 24 days. I believe it would be September 8th. He hits that. He breaks the record. I said in our predictions, I thought they were going to have him come up short of that. I thought Drew was going to take the belt off him and Honky Tonk Man would be safe. But I'm not thinking it anymore. So RIP to Honky Tonk Man's Intercontinental Championship record unless he decides to come out of retirement and, uh, you know, go on an amazing run. But I'm not... I'm not thinking that's going to happen. So Honky Tonk Man is in our Continental title. Stock down. Final stock up. Jungle Boy. Oops, sorry. Just Jack Perry. You know, Jerry's still kind of out. We're still feeling out his heel run if it's going to work, if it has longevity. But 
You know, they're giving him time on TV. They're pushing him. He had the win over RVD, albeit with some shenanigans. There was a ref bump. RVD hit the five-star. No ref to make the count. Another ref runs in. Perry kicks out. It ended when Perry eventually threw RVD into a chair that was wedged into the corner and then gets the pin. You know, the FCW title isn't much. I get that. But they're pushing him. He's consistently on one of their flagship shows in AEW Dynamite, which this is kind of an example you can point to where the collision being involved in and having to put some talent over there has given more time to some people on Dynamite like a Jack Perry. So while we're still kind of feeling it out, waiting to see how this heel character goes, they're giving him the time. They're going with it for now. Stock up on the son of Luke Perry. Final stock down. And this one affects me. I'm personally in this group. CM Punk defenders. I once again have to play devil's advocate and defend my mans. And we're going to get more into that when we come back after a short break and talk A-E-W. Be right back, guys. All right, and we are back to talk some AEW. As I mentioned before I took my little break, uh, CM Punk back in the news. So after, uh, after Dynamite stopped taping, he was, you know, in the ring with FTR, signing off, talking to the crowd, sent him home happy. And you notice a sign that said, um, North Carolina is hangman country. And he proceeded to say that he finally figured out why they call him hangman because he was in a local supermarket and the, you know, in the toy section, the pegs were filled with hangman page action figures because no one wanted to buy them. He's a peg on the wall. He doesn't move merch. He makes a comment about everybody wanting to say they're the heart and soul of AEW, which is a comment. So, you know, the elite's statement on resounding with AEW. So he takes his digs. He can't help himself. It's one of the things that endears me to him. Then reports started coming out the following day about certain talents not being allowed at collision and linking that to CM Punk. And at first I was kind of like, no, come on. Like, I don't know about this. This sounds like a little bit of assumptions or, or something out of nothing, whatever. The, uh, the observer reported it, etc. And then Fightful Select, Sean Ross Sapp came along um, and had an update on it. And, you know, in the journalism world, professional wrestling, you know, you got to be careful what you totally believe. You know, not because all the people reporting on this are making shit up or just trying to pull things out of their ass. Some people do, but not everybody. Some people make assumptions and report them as fact. Um, But, you know, when these guys are reaching out for sources within a company, sometimes you get a report from people or comments from people who, because of their opinion on the things, could be biased or could have their own take on it. And it's important when they report it to say, this is what I'm hearing um, from people in this camp or whatever. <clears throat> now, Fightful Select, Sean Rossap, I personally think he does very a very good job. For me, he's one of the people who, when he reports something, I put a little more stake in it than I would others. So this is his uh, report he sent out via Patreon Fightful Select. 
I apologize that I am reading a Fightful Select report on air for free, but I will say it's only $5, people, and it's totally worth it. They do great work over there. It's not just the reports you get from Sean Rossap, who not only reports on things, but takes the time to see what you know his readers and everything want to know about and tries to reach out and get information on that. There's a bunch of podcast show reviews they do. It's so much content for only one Abraham Lincoln, not the penny, but the $5 bill. Um, it's totally worth it. So I apologize that I'm reading this for free on the air, but hopefully I gave a great plug for why everybody should join Fightful Select. So with that said, this was his update. Wrestling Observer reported today that Hangman Page was set to do a pre-taped interview for AEW Dynamite. However, when he... Uh, got there they are being collision he was told that they would have to do it away from the venue and not to go to the show we've not been able to confirm the hangman aspect of it important point to make however we were able to confirm that ryan nemeth brother of Dolph Ziggler, who wrestles for AEW, was brought into town for the collision tapings shortly after arriving he was told by a coach that he wouldn't be needed and a flight had been booked for him to return home hey at least they got him you know paid for his travel Nemeth is a regular on Being the Elite and was confronted by CM Punk shortly after Punk's return this year. Specifically, Punk took exception to Nemeth's literally the softest man alive tweet that followed Punk's return promo. We haven't heard how things went outside of Nemeth explaining himself and that it didn't end in anything physical. In regards to Hangman Page and CM Punk, we were flat out told the promo after collision was not a work or a planned thing that Page was involved in. Oh, boy. I love CM Punk, and I will defend him till the cows come home. Man. Why? <laughs> you know, the talk of him, who knows if it was him, you know. Maybe there was a call of, like, hey, there's still heat between Hangman and Punk. We'd rather them not cross paths. Hangman's not going to be on the show. Let's do the pre-tape somewhere else. You know, Brian Nemeth. He's lower on the card. He's not on TV. Maybe he literally just got there and they were like, hey, on second thought, we don't need you. Here's a ticket. We paid for it. We're good. So that's me playing devil's advocate, poking holes and things. As far as the promo after collision and that not being a work, I hope this is a situation where I, I strongly hope, and I don't think it is, but I really hope it's a situation where they're keeping tight lips closed. And maybe the person Sean Ross Sapp talked to had been told it was a not a work and a shoot. And so that's what he's relaying. Um, and hopefully they're just trying to work everybody. That is my hope. And we will see how it turns out. Let's move away from the drama. Let's take a look at All In. The big show in Wembley Stadium is coming together. And boy, oh boy, have they sold some tickets. The latest update from WrestleTwix on Twitter, great follow. They do great work. Um, Just reporting the facts, the numbers, tickets distributed. They do a very good job. Tries to cut down on the speculation and the rumors and uh, disputes that, you know, there's actually 2,000 people at WrestleMania 3, that kind of stuff. (laughs) So All In has a current setup of 84,048 seats. Uh, As of today... 80,056 tickets have been distributed and there's 3,992 still available 
with 1,893 being resale tickets because there's always people who jump on it and buy tickets to price gouge them um, with real diehard wrestling fans. So with the 80,000 crossed, they set a record for the largest wrestling event in the UK. Um, WrestleTix reports that SummerSlam 92 had 79,127 tickets distributed. So they passed that. Um, that was obviously the huge show at Wembley, main evented by Bret the Hitman Hart, uh, dropping the Intercontinental title to British Bulldog in his home country. <clears throat> so with that record passed, the next record they are chasing is 80,709, set by WWE at WrestleMania 32 from Jerry World, AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. Awesome, awesome news for AEW. You know they're loving it. Uh, ticket sales going so strong for it. I think they can hit that number and possibly pass WrestleMania 32. We'll have to wait and see, but have about three weeks, eh, two weeks left to go. And uh, we'll see. For people wondering, 1 p.m. start time, I believe, for AEW Collision. Or, pardon me, AW on. Let's get into the card that is uh, <clears throat> now taking place with four matches announced plus a notable one on the pre-show. So we'll start with FTR versus the Young Bucks. Really glad to see these two working together again. Two phenomenal tag teams. They've had great matches in the past. This is the rubber match. The first one, the Bucks beat FTR for the AW tag titles. The second one, FTR retained the ROH tag titles against the Bucks in that weird situation where for some reason the you know FTR was the hottest thing going and Tony wasn't capitalizing on it, but I won't get into my frustrations with that. So this will be the rubber match. My personal dream scenario for All In was FTR versus the Golden Lovers, Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi, but this is a great consolation prize. Uh, Darby Allen and Sting against Mogul Embassy, which is AR Fox and Swerve Strickland with Prince Nana in a tag team coffin match. Coffin matches are one of those things that uh, in 2023 are just a little too much for me. A little too gimmicky. Uh, for those who don't know, you have to incapacitate your opponent to the point where you can put him in a coffin and close it shut to win. It will obviously take two coffins here or one really big coffin to fit both men. I guess at least it's better than WWE used to do the Buried Alive matches where you had to <laughs> throw your opponent in a grave that was on the stage and had been dug and then dumped the dirt on them. Uh, definitely better than that. But, I don't know, coffin matches are just kind of whatever for me. At least, you know, get Sting on the card, which the fans will obviously love for such a big show, and bringing his son Darby with him. I imagine they'll go over no problem. Then we got Hikaru Shida is defending her AW Women's Championship in a four-way. They did like a little qualifiers tournament. For this match, Tony Storm, former champion, got a buy. I don't know why Tony Storm, as the former champion, got a buy, but Hikaru Shida didn't. But that was standing. Uh, Shida defended her title against Anna Jay on Dynamite, so she's in it. Uh, Soraya, Soraya, pardon me, on Rampage two nights later, well, the same night, televised two nights later, beat Chicago's own Sky Blue to get her spot, and then. In two days on Dynamite, Fight for the Fallen Edition, it will be Britt Baker versus The Bunny 
to determine the fourth member of the match. Uh, I think it's safe to go ahead and say that will be Britt Baker. No offense to the bunny, but come on. So two members of the, of the, uh, I almost called him the riot squad. That's funny. Uh, two members of the outcast will be in there. So that could be a story. Maybe it could lead to the breakup of the group. I wouldn't be against that. Um, you know, it's it's a multi-person match. It doesn't feel like, oh, it's a multi-person match because we have this intertwining story going. It just feels more like, well, what do we do for a women's match? We'll do a four-way. And then in the main event, it's MJF versus Adam Cole. Better than you, Bebe, face off for the AW World Championship. They're keeping it together so far, you know? They're still besties. Uh, Roderick Strong is still wearing his neck brace and is very angry that his friend Adam Cole likes MJF. Um, to add to the story, MJF said he really wanted to go into that match, main eventing all in at Wembley Stadium with a set of tag titles. He wants them to be tag champions when they face off. So it was announced that on the pre-show, the free pre-show, Better Than You Bebe will challenge Aussie Open for the ROH World Tag Team Champions. Ships. <laughs> uh Interesting move to do that on the pre-show on the same night. My thought process for why they would do that is twofold. One, get good viewership for the pre-show, hopefully get more buys for All In. You know, I'm sure along with this massive crowd, AW would love, I mean, every pay-per-view they would love this, but especially this one to announce they set the record for their most pay-per-view buys. Two, I think this is where we see Better Than You, Bebe, possibly finally break up. MJF could attack Cole in that match, leading to a kind of heel advantage going into their world title match. That that feels like a pretty good prediction on my part. <clears throat> After that, MJF could go on to tell Roderick Strong he was right, and, you know, Roddy could, you know, tell him, Afangul, and, you know, he could feud with Roddy. Something like that, maybe. <clears throat> maybe I'm wrong, though. Maybe better than you, Bay Bay, you know, stays together for a little longer. Maybe Adam Cole does something a little underhanded, and or, pardon me, MJF does, and Adam Cole is like, eh, what was that about? And it starts to build more tension. Who knows? We will see. Definitely, you know, outside of Punk versus Omega, you know, the Elite versus... Someone from the Elite vs. Punk, which doesn't look like it will ever happen. Uh, I think this might be the best main event based on the current storylines and what what stories are really hot and over with the crowd. The best possible thing they could go for. So only four main card matches announced. They got two more weeks to go until the show. Uh, so we'll see what they can hopefully still put together. Pretty excited for Dynamite this week. Kenny Omega is going to do a sit down with good old JR and announce his plans. For all out, who could he possibly face? Who could it be? My money is on Kip Sabian. No, uh, I imagine they're going to have a big name opponent for him. I can't wait for people online to be like, it's got to be Goldberg. They're finally getting him. Here comes Goldberg. I don't think that's going to happen, but I'm sure there'll be some people on, you know, social media and whatnot thinking that's what's going to happen. All out does have one match announced. Uh, Luchasaurus, the AWTNT champion, with Christian Cage, who is the real AWTNT champion, 
uh, against Darby Allen. So they already got one card on the books for All Out. That's another one they have to hurry up and get announcing matches for as it is happening literally the week after. So we'll see. I imagine All Out in Chicago. You want me to put money on it. Main event's going to be CM... God, voice crack. CM Punk versus MJF to determine the real World Heavyweight Championship. That uh, That's what I have my money on right now. And I'm going to take a quick break, and then I'm going to come back, hit a couple more quick topics, and then uh, wrap up the show. So be right back, guys. out the show here thanks again so much guys for listening and uh got a couple more things i want to hit so the g1 climax g1 climax 23 just finished up obviously the awesome big time tournament they do throughout the summer in new japan to determine who will get the shot at the world champion and main event wrestle kingdom on january 4th this year so g1 climax has changed they now have four blocks instead of two and they take the top two from each block and do a eight-man tournament to decide the winner. So block A was won by Sonata pretty handedly, 14 points. The next closest person was Hikaleu by eight, so he also got in to the elimination round. Block B, Okada with 12 and Osprey with 10. Obviously, two biggest names there. Block C, we had a tie, David Finley and Evil, both with 10 points. Uh, also in that block was the lone AEW representative and Eddie Kingston had a solid showing for himself, went four and four, got eight points block D another tie Tetsuya Naito versus Zack Sabre Jr. To go on to the the elimination round. Now in the elimination tournament quarterfinals, we saw evil beat Sonata. So I imagine that most likely sets up their main event for their destruction show which is their next big show over the fall uh they usually have someone beat the world champion at some point during the g1 you know uh tournament to kind of set up that next um pay-per-view main event evil sonata both former members of los ingobernables de japon so you kind of got that story there i imagine sonata will definitely retain uh okada beat Zack saber jr in the first round will osprey beat uh, Bullet Club, current Bullet Club leader David Finley <clears throat> and Tetsuya Naito beat Hikaleo. In the semis, Okada beat Evil and then Naito beat Osprey. So our main of our finals in the main event for the last night of the G1 Climax was Tetsuya Naito versus Kazuchika Okada. Naito went over after a grueling 34-minute match getting the win in the latest match of the Naito-Okada saga so i'm sure at destruction naito will defend his you know championship match at wrestle kingdom as is usually what happens feel pretty positive he's going to retain it and the main event of wrestle kingdom is going to be the leader of los ingobernables de japon tetsuya naito challenging sonata the former member of the group the younger member of the group who is under Naito, who has now broken out to become world heavyweight champion. Great natural story there, especially when he'll be coming off of beating 
his other former stable member and evil at destruction if that's how they decide to do it great main event for wrestle kingdom looking forward to that last piece of news i want to hit on is summer ray who annihilated a troll on twitter so let's get into it so some dude on Twitter, I'm not even going to give him the time, him and his 65 followers the time of day by saying his name or Twitter handle. We'll just go ahead and call him Douchebag McFuckface. So Douchebag McFuckface decided to tweet at Soraya. He's now deleted the tweet. Big surprise. And said, at Soraya, goodness, when did you get so fucking fat? You were so fit and slender. The size of your ass is mind-boggling. You need to cover up when wrestling. Soraya shakes it off. Says, LOL, anyways, watch my fat ass at hashtag all in at Wembley Stadium and then watch my fat ass win that championship. Former WWE women's wrestler Summer Rae, who most people would probably remember for her being the kind of manager or valet for Fandango. They would come out and do their little dance routine, chimes in and tweets at uh retweets and says to the guy the fact that you feel that it's okay to comment on women's bodies or anyone's bodies is simply mind-blowing makes me think that you are 100 percent trolling trying to go viral when at soraya responds because there's no way your brain thinks that this is okay right then she follows up with sitting at your keyboard like oh this is what i'm going to do this fine friday night be a complete asshole to someone i'll never meet and make them feel like shit That'll fill my empty soul and make me feel good about myself. Yep, let me hit send. God bless your parents. Points to Summer Rae for annihilating douchebag McFuckface on Twitter. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up the show, guys. Thank you so much for listening and tuning in. Check out townalone.com. Follow me at uh, townalonemike. Follow Adam at townalonadam. We're on X. We're on Threads. Check out the website. A lot of great stuff coming up this week. And I will talk to y'all later on.